said, what is it? Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see y'all here today. Everybody good? All right. Everybody's good, Ron says. Let's all stand together and let's worship today as we sing. Sing us with me, all right? Philippians 2, familiar passage. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the 
likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the king we worship today. That's the king who is highly exalted, the king who laid down his life for us. So glad that you're here today. My name's Zach. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. We'd love for you to fill out one of those connection cards in the seat back somewhere around you. Uh, we have a gift for you after worship. We'd love to connect with you and spend some time with you. But during this time, we're going to take up our offering as we continue in worship and seek to be the church that God has called us to be here on this hill. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you. God, we pray for this offering. God, would you use it for your glory and your honor? God, not ours. God, not to make the name of Airline Baptist Church known, but God, to make your name known among the nations. And God, will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.
whatever's going on. And listen, I know there is a lot going on. The last two weeks, a lot of surgeries, a lot of incidents, a lot of accidents. Just a lot of people hurting. We go through it, don't we? But hey, if we know Christ is our Savior, it is well with our soul. Nothing this world can do to us, nothing Satan can do to us can hinder us or take that joy away. In the deepest, even in the valley, God is good. this morning. Amen.
your wonderful goodness and your grace this morning. It's available to every one of us, God, if we'll just trust and believe in you. Laying all of our sins at your feet, God, this morning and just trusting in your saving grace and your wonderful mercy, Lord. Bless this time together now as our pastor comes to bring the word to us from your word. Pray to give him power and give him freedom to speak, God. So thank you, and for and so this is where we will continue on behalf you. Uh, we love you, um, and we we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. Um, it's about this time. birthed in our heart just a, a, a love for you even though we hadn't met you yet and so that that was this time last year we were meeting with the search team and touring the campus and uh and and that love has grown since then and so we we love you church and we appreciate you so james chapter four as we left off last week uh we, we had this interesting phrase that god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so really as James continues, he's continuing on this theme of humility. Now humility is a, a fun word, right? How many of us think we are humble? Okay, you all passed the test. I don't have to preach this message. We can go home now. There's a problem even in that very statement because we, humility is one of those things that I, I think we, we like the thought of, but we want people to recognize our humility. And that even in the very act of wanting our humility to be recognized, we are not acting in humility. And so humility is one of those things that we, we know we ought to strive for, but let's just be honest, we want that recognition. We want people to see us. And on the further end of that, it's easy that I want to make things about me. I want to be the center of attention. I want all eyes to be on me. And that this is common even in our culture. 
And so what James is getting at is that part of the gospel bringing about a change in our lives is that there is a change in pride, there is a change in humility, that as a believer, because of the gospel, life is no longer about me. It's no longer about these short few years I have on this side of eternity trying to do what's best for me. It's about leveraging the eternity, which is difficult and it's uncomfortable. But we see a few things about humility. So let's read the text and then we'll notice a few things. Verses 7 through 10 this morning. James writes, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's pray. Father God, we give you this time. God, would you take your word and would you speak to us? God, would you speak to us and take the truth that is found in your word and place it deep within our hearts? God, let us make the actions of Scripture you want to know more. And so James is linking to that previous thought of that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so because of that, we submit ourselves to God. So what does a humble life look like? It is a life that is yielded and in submission to God. Yielded to God. Submission to God is a life that says, God, all of my life is yours to use however you would see fit. But we like to give God the easy portion. At work in this area this area, but you've got to understand I've got these areas over here that I don't want you messing with. That's not a life that's submitted to God. And even the very term itself to submit, it's a Greek term that, was, that would have been used in reference to military officers and their commanders. give and take an officer and his commander, is there? It's not your opinion versus your commanding officer's opinion. 
No, the lower submits to the higher. And so this is the term that James used, the grace that he had our lives to him. Go, God, here's my whole life. Would you use it? God, not just the easy parts. Like, God, it's easy to give you a couple hours on a Sunday morning. It's easy to give you a couple hours on Wednesday night. But, God, would you take my whole life? God, would you take my Monday mornings at 8 a.m.? God, would you take my Tuesday evenings at 6 o'clock when I get home and the toddlers are running around and destroying the whole, the whole place? God, would you take that? God, here's my whole life. Would you use it? I submit and I yield to you. You see, a life that is in humility understands that it's not about me. It's all about him. And that's where submission comes from. That's not about my life anymore. It's all about him. So he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then he says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the first action is to submit to God. God, all of this is on the table for you to have and for you to use, but then to resist the devil. Now, I think it's important that we just kind of pause here for just a moment. The devil does that everything is spiritual warfare. That if I walk outside this afternoon and I trip and fall in the parking lot, the devil did it. No, I probably just tripped and fell in the parking lot. But then there's a ditch on the other side of the road where we don't really ever really talk about the devil. And so it's important for us to have an honest biblical understanding of who the devil is and what the devil does. The devil in Greek is just simply means slanderer or accuser, which goes back to the Old Testament, the term Satan is a Hebrew term that just simply means adversary. That you and I have this adversary. Strength and scope of Satan's work. That Satan is not in a cosmic chess match with God. Understand this morning, God is not in a cosmic power struggle with the devil. They're not vying for the destiny of mankind. Satan is still a created being, and God is the creator. So they're not in a cosmic chess match. 
God's not lost an ounce of anthropomorphic sleep over the activity of Satan. So we need to be honest about that. So we need to be honest about the scope, but we also need to be honest about the strength of Satan. Yes, Satan is more powerful than you and I are. But is he too powerful? flees. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, I think this makes us uncomfortable. Because when we think about our spiritual lives, it is easy for us to, we, we could talk about the world, we could talk about sin. The being that causes me the most spiritual headache. The being that causes me to stumble the most. The, the being that, that causes me to drift my eyes from Christ is not the world. It's not the devil. It is the one who looks back at me in the mirror. And that can make us uncomfortable. Why? Because much like our spiritual ancestors, Adam and Eve, when they are confronted about their sin in the garden, what do they do? Eve goes, it was the serpent in the garden. Adam goes, it was the woman that you gave me. Only to accept for the one fruit. Satan did not force feed the fruit into Adam and Eve's mouth. They took it. The biggest hindrance of your growth in Christ, the biggest hindrance of my growth in Christ is not the world, it's not the devil. It is you and for me, it is me. That's what James repeatedly points through all throughout his epistle. That I'm the one who continually puts stumbling blocks in front of my feet. So we need to be honest about Satan here. But Mike, I think we also see this. That we need to be honest about the subtle... And we're coming up on Halloween, right? And so we have ideas in our head about what demonic activity looks like. Like we, we think of like the, the cheap horror movie with... And what James labels as demonic. So far, we've seen two references to demonic in James. One is implicit, one is explicit. The implicit demonic activity first in the book of James 
It's not bad exorcist movie. What is it? It's saying one thing with your mouth and living another thing with your life. What's the second demonic activity? Pastor Clint preached on this a few Sundays ago. It's living a life of jealousy and envy. Like those are the two things that James calls demonic. And if we're honest, it's not the crazy things you will see Tuesday night. And here's what's even more terrifying. Based on James' definition of demonic activity, hear me this morning. There will be more demonic activity that takes place today in churches across America than there will be Tuesday night. People saying one thing with their life and another thing with their lips. And James says that's demonic. And that is incredibly subtle. Like it's it's not the crazy witably need to be honest about that. That a life of humility goes, I need to resist the devil. And in our popular Christian culture, resisting the devil. Different from my lips and my life. Looking at the book of James, I have to ask, am I living a life of bitter jealousy and envy? Why? Because those are things that James talks about as demonic. But what's the hope? We can resist that. And those things will flee if we simply resist. So what are the actions of humility? First, it's to submit to God. Second, to resist the devil. But then third, notice what he says. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we submit, we resist, and then we draw near to God. We come close to him. And what's the beautiful promise of that? That as we draw near to him, he's drawing near to us. There's a beautiful promise here that he does not leave us alone. In the midst of all of our sin, in the midst of all of our temptation, if we just simply take that step to him, take the step in his direction, he's taking the step in our direction. Just simply have the step. 
to him. Then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Um, Mike, I want to get that verse posted in our bathrooms. That would be a great verse to put in our restrooms. It's neither here nor there. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, James addresses two things in this last action of humility. First is to cleanse our hands. These are our external things. These are the things that we do. He says, cleanse those. But in the second, he says, purify your hearts. You purify or sanctify your hearts. These aren't those external actions. These are internal affections. That it's not just about behavioral modification. It's not just about getting the external checklist done while inside I'm still full of hate and bitterness and envy and all of those things. But he says to purify your hearts. Book of James, where he refers to someone as being double-minded or two-souled. That quite literally, I'm I'm trying to ride the fence. That I may live this life, but internally I've got these things over here. So not only am I called to examine my hands to look at the works that I am doing. I'm and am I sanctifying those? So these are the actions of humility. But then second, we see the attitudes of humility. James says, be wretched. Be wretched. This could also be wretched just, just simply to lament. That, that when we look at our spiritual lives, when we look at those actions that we're participating in and we look at those affections that's within our heart and we see those areas where we have drifted in over those things. He says to be wretched, lament over this. Like when we look at our lives, do we see those things and just go about our 
areas in my life where I go, okay, I'm not pursuing Jesus in this. I'm not loving Jesus in this. Do I see that? And it breaks me. This is what James is talking about. He says, lament. Concept that James is talking about. He says to mourn over that. To weep over that. And it's difficult because Nelson, we, I don't believe we like that level of introspection. That we, we don't like to take a look on the inside and see those areas. Then he gives the example, he says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. This is one of the things that we talk about here at Airline, one of our core values is authentic relationships. That hear me, if things are not okay, do not fake like they are okay. That's what authentic relationships are all about. That one of my aims as a pastor is that when I think about airline and the type of church I, I desire for us to be, is that the type of church that if you came here this morning and it was a knockdown, drag out fight to get out of the car, that you do not look at your kids and look at your wife and say, you better put a smile on and clean yourself up, we're going into church. And, why? Because it's not about that. It's not about putting on the appearance of being something that you're not. That if you had the knockdown, drag out fight on the way to church, come in and let's talk about it. Don't feel the pressure to, okay, everybody put on smiling faces. We're going into church now. So he says, as you're doing this, let your laughter be turned to joy and your mourning or your joy to gloom and your laughter to mourning. That if you realize this brokenness that's in your life, don't put on a face to pretend something else is true when it's not. So what is this attitude of humility? It's that I take my spiritual state seriously. Like your spiritual life is not something that you go about haphazardly or flippantly or carelessly but you take it seriously. 
But not only do you take it seriously, you do not approach it with a fake it until you make it mentality. That the whole world's crashing in around you and you're sitting there going, I don't want anybody else to know about this. That's not what the Christian life is all about. So this should be our attitude of humility. But then lastly, we see the achievements of, which in and of itself, the phrase to put, what does humility achieve? What is the end result of humility? Well, James tells us, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You see, we live in a fast-paced world that is all about what do I have to do to take the next right step. What do I have to do to lift myself up? And here's what a life of humility says. It's not my responsibility to lift myself up. It is God who will lift me up. That if I live this life of humility... If I humble myself before the Lord, God is going to do what God does. And I do not have to force something or pretend to be God. I can trust that God is God. And he's the one who will do the exalting. He's the one who will do the lifting in his time and in his plan. I just simply trust that God is God. So this brings us to our central idea this morning. And a high... True humility comes from an honest view of ourselves and a high view of come from. Dishonest view of ourselves. Because, as I said, we, our aim is not to fake it until we make it. But if we're honest, some of us can be pretty good at faking it. Some of us can be pretty good at making other people think we really have it all together. But we're really just being dishonest with ourselves. That we really don't have it all together that we really don't have all the answers. 
that comes from being honest with ourselves. An honest view of our low God down to our level, it's easy to become prideful. We have a displaced view of God, we can become prideful. But if we truly view God as the creator of the universe, if we truly view God as the one who holds my very being together, what room is there for pride? Like, God, I know you're creating everything. I know you created everything. God, I know you're sustaining everything. But God, do you know who I am? <laughs> There's no room for pride there. As the band comes back to the stage, humility is a tricky subject. But I fully believe this. The natural product. That as I understand more and more of who Jesus is and what God has accomplished for me and who God is, the room for pride should grow smaller and smaller and smaller. Because as I also understand the gospel, I understand who I am. That I am broken and in need of a savior. And that in my brokenness, there's no room for pride. And that the life that we now live is lived in Christ and we grow in Christ's likeness. And we need one another to do that. And we do that by walking in humility. So as we close this morning, Maybe today is just a day that you need to, maybe it's just the actions part of it. That you recognize maybe there's some areas in your life that you ha <coughs> haven't submitted to God. And you just lay those things before him. Maybe it's coming before God and going, God, show me how to resist the devil in these areas. Or maybe it's just, God, I need to draw near to you today and trust that as I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. Maybe it's the attitude portion 
that there's some things in your own life that maybe you need to do what James talks about, that you need to lament those things. You need to mourn those things. You need to weep over those things. Maybe it's that last point. You've been living a life going, I need to get to the top. And maybe today's the day you go, God, I just want to lay myself before you and trust you to lift me up. Whichever it is today, if you want to come pray, this altar will be open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here. Pastor Clint will be standing over there. But let us examine our own hearts. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. And I know that, God, this is a text that calls us to examine our own lives. And so, God, would you speak to us today? God, help us to draw near to you as you draw near to us. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond.
as we have a few announcements this morning. Again, if you're visiting with us today, thank you so much for being here. Uh, We'd love to connect with you out in the foyer. We have a gift for you. A couple quick announcements. So tonight we have our fall festival down the Family Life Center. Um, So we are excited for that. And so there's still time if you want to invite some um, friends, neighbors, um, family members, and find them to come out. Um, It'll be start at 530 if you have a booth and you're setting up for tonight, um, we, we would like for all of the booths to be set up by five. And so that gives us some time just to kind of have everything set up as folks trickle in. Um, if you want to come early to set up, we will unlock down there at two o'clock. And so if you want to come early, get set up and then go back home and get your kids, whatever um, you want to do, you're more than welcome to. Again, we'll have the um, Family Life Center open at two if you want to come set up early. Um, also. This coming Wednesday night, we had a great turnout last week for our new midweek equip classes. And if you were in the ladies class with Whitney, I know um, we did not order enough books. And so those extra books are here. And so you can see her immediately after uh, we dismiss to get those books. Then as well, Operation Christmas Child, a few things coming up that I want to make note of this morning. And so next Sunday is going to be the packing party at 4.30. So that's next Sunday, packing party at 4.30. Um, Asked to bring a finger food and a $10 donation for those shoe boxes. There's still a few things that are needed. And so washcloths, pencil pouches, um, small stuffed animals for boys are still a few things that are needed. Uh, This coming Wednesday night, we will move the stuff that is downstairs over to um, Family Life Center for the packing party next Sunday. And so if you'd like to help prep, don't have that. and try to do something we figured we would do it the week before and just enjoy that fellowship together Wednesday night, the 15th. And then December 17th, that Sunday night, we're going to be having a children's Christmas play. And so we're excited about that. If you're interested in finding more information, you can talk to Ashley about that um, and get some more information about how your kid can be a part of that if they are not. She has sent out some information, but if you're interested in getting more connected to that and your child being a part of that or your grandchild being a part of that, um, see Ashley and let her know. 
there as well. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year, and so we'll have normal Sunday morning on Christmas Eve, and then Sunday night on Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock, we're going to be having a candlelight and communion service. At 5 o'clock, um, we'll have you out before 6, and I know we, a lot of folks start having um, family get-togethers that night, and so that'll be, we'll keep it short. Um, but we want to celebrate candlelight and communion together and sing some songs and just gather together as a church body that night. So I encourage you to go ahead and mark. And then before we. I'm going to ask Mike to close us in prayer.